Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. I think it is difficult for guitar manufacturers to introduce and convince a lot of players around some of the innovations they're making. And some of these things are genuine innovations. Robot tuners were an innovation, yeah. right? And and on paper, if you if you if you took that to a non-guitar player and said, you know, hey, you know, one of the one of the things that beginners really struggle with, or even pro musicians, because you know they don't want to go out of tune, is you know, we've we've developed these tuners that just tune themselves and the guitar stays in pitch and does all the work for you and it's a discreet little box screen and in inverted commas that sits on the back of the headstock yeah most non-guitar players would go well that just sounds like a good innovation that just makes perfect sense guitar that tunes itself greetings welcome back to another guitar smarts podcast this week we are considering what the future looks like for the guitar for amps and manufacturers and all things to do with this instrument that we love Will we see the instrument change as it devours new innovations and technology, or will we remain, as we have for quite some time now, loyal to 1950s and 1960s designs with a distrust of new technology? Should we even mention robot tuners? What do you think the next one, two, or even ten years holds for guitarists? All these things and more will be discussed in today's show. As usual, remember to have a good rummage around in the links in the description of this podcast. In them you will find our merchandise shop, our donation page at buymeacoffee.com, our social media pages and links to where you can leave us a good review because you love our show. Go and check them all out and remember to come and give us a like on your favourite podcast app so that you get alerted when our next show is due out. Anyway, that's enough rambling nonsense from me. Let's get on with it. Hey, Kieran, how are you doing, mate? You well? I'm good, mate. I'm really good. Really yeah. good indeed. Yeah, yeah, we haven't, yeah, We haven't done this for a couple of weeks because we had a busy we had a busy week last week, but um, it's good to see you, mate. And, uh, and how, have you, how have you been the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I've been really good. Thank you, mate. Yeah, we had um, we had a week off last week, did some planning, got some uh, some cool agendas and, and topics for upcoming episodes under yeah. the belt, which is good. So yeah, yes, it was, it was time well spent. Yeah, I've been really good, mate. Um, uh, I've been, I've been busy. I've been busy. 
busy uh, with uh, work, as most people always are. Uh, I've been busy with guitar stuff, um, which is good fun. I've been busy looking at the scores that have been submitted from people that did the pub quiz episode. It, people telling us how much they got out of twenty. So I think we'll let it. I think we'll let the scores come in for another week. So if yeah. you did the um, if you did the guitar smarts podcast, uh, what was it like? A, it'll be a couple of weeks ago where we pub did the quiz. first ever the first ever pub quiz where Matt and I actually we we didn't we didn't do too badly much to our own surprise um yeah and actually some of our listeners have written in uh with their scores as well so keep keep submitting your scores in into the social media yeah. um message us via instagram or um pop it in uh the facebook uh for that episode the the comment section for that episode and let us know genuinely in with all honesty how much how many you scored uh out of the, out of the it was 20 in total wasn't it it was 20 in total yeah yeah, well, good questions as well. I enjoyed it. I, yeah, they were great questions, mate. And because uh, I still have some merchandise that I want to give away to Gosh, whoever. Yeah, we did to, say. To, yeah, I've got, I've got it. I've got it here. I've got some Music Nomad uh, <laughs> little bits and pieces that they kindly sent us for um, some giveaways. So yeah. I, I will be sent. I will be sending those out to 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 people who who I genuinely believe got the score that they are claiming they got. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. Well, yeah. Have you been? Yeah, I've been good. Been good. Work's been busy. Um, been noodling around on the guitar quite a bit. Been trying to kind of uh, get a bit of a practice regime going again. Um, but the thing I find for me is um, uh, I, I don't do well at practicing if I'm just trying to practice a thing. I have to try and figure out how I, I have to find a piece of music that I love or that moves me, you know, and and yeah. and practice that, you know. So, like, say I wanted to learn a particular scale or how to play over a particular chord, I can't just I. Just just can't seem to get it into my head if I'm sitting down and just doing exercises. I have to find some music or a song, or a solo or something by somebody that exploits that thing I'm trying to learn and that I really like the sound of and then I have to learn it that way and then break it down afterwards. And it seems to be the only way for me things really sink in is in a, you know, if I'm experiencing it from a listener point of view in a musical way to start with. So surely that's the best way though. Surely that is, that is the, best the best way, way isn't it? That's the, that's like the ultimate way is like it learn is. a new song, then understand the song. And I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at the learning a new song bit generally, yeah. but then I go, Oh, I've learned that now. That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> and then I, and then I, and then I go, oh, I'll go and learn another song now. And, and yeah. don't often stop to take the time to go, Hmm, that's, yeah. um, that's why that works. But yeah. I've been trying to force myself to be, be a bit more, be a bit more mad with my learning uh, and just try just at least pause and stop and go why was that interesting and, and how did that work and yeah yeah exactly that's that's I even I mean I struggle to do that because I just want to play the thing yeah. I'm trying to learn to play sometimes you just go straight one of the things I force myself to do which for me is not game changing but it's proving to be um, helpful is um, I promise myself I won't learn any kind of lick or solo or anything like that until I've learned the chords that are being played over yeah you, you know i've that, got yeah. to start from a point where i can go well now i know why this little section of the solo sounds so good because i know in my head i'm playing over a g7 mm-hmm. chord or something you know so whereas before if you hadn't always if you'd just gone straight to a solo in a song you'd never learnt all the chords and it's not always immediately apparent why certain parts of the solo sound as good as they do and then maybe you don't use it correctly further down the line so i'm just trying to be a little bit more goes back to that conversation we had with richard shaw about being consciously competent you know just trying to be a bit yeah. more conscious about the things I'm you know I'm doing and playing and learning yeah. um and and yeah and trying to you know trying to work at that 
Uh, so I've been doing a bit of that over the last week, although I am just about to, so looking forward, which is kind of the topic today as well, isn't it? Um, uh, but looking forward over the next couple of weeks, I'm, my strat's due another little, um, it's definitely due a string change. And I'm thinking, I kind yeah. of, I, I want to go over everything again. So I'm going to, you know, just make sure it's all set up nicely and, you know, give it, give the frets a clean and fretboard and oil yeah. and stuff like all that good stuff that we learned about last year, you know, and the, the eight yeah. steps. So, so um, yeah, yeah, it's due yeah. that. So I'm looking forward to doing that with. I'm gonna take the um, I'm gonna take the pit guard off when I change the strings and and just get inside and clean all the pots up, check everything's nice. nice and tight as well, or any any you know nuts and bolts or anything that needs to be tightened up and stuff. So I'm just gonna give it a really good uh, servicing this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm all good. I'm all good, mate. Hey, I've been doing a bit of that as well. I yeah, did, um, yeah. I did. I did. Uh, I did a quick uh, half an hour session this morning before um, before starting some work. Just went through all the guitars and yeah. just tuned them up to pitch again. Adjusted the truss rod on a couple of them, just where temperature and stuff over the winter months have, have come. Yeah. Had some movement on stuff, just just little tweaks because I just wanted to go through all of them and go, yeah, yeah. I I have of course immense amounts of OCD, but I just wanted to just <laughs> just be just be reassured that if I had it was in the mood right for yeah. because I am doing a lot of practicing at the moment. Um, was if I wanted to pick up a particular guitar and play it, that yeah. I didn't have to then spend the first twenty minutes, half an hour, just getting it back into into you know yeah. that that sweet spot again so i just did a quick quick whiz of, of all of those um so that was good i've been shopping shopping in inverted commas i've been actively trying to convince myself that i need a new steel string acoustic yeah uh despite having had my beautiful finish made landola d21 uh which i looked up the serial number on uh this uh Week for no reason other than I, I must have been really bored. I, like, I don't know how old this guitar is. It's 26 years old. Is that right? Uh, 26 years old, my acoustic guitar. Wow. Uh, and it's beautiful. And, uh, but for a while now, I've been thinking, oh, I still remember some of the Larives I used to play back in the guitar shop when we used to sell them. I went to Guitar Village uh, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Farnham in the UK and tried out a bunch of stuff, man. I, I tried out, I tried Taylor's, I tried the PR acoustics i tried guilds i tried faith acoustics i just i, I just tried everything and um yeah the ta- i must say the tailors were mm. they were really nice they had a they had a beautiful tone uh, and a price tag to match but mm. but they were re- they were really nice but nothing still was going to me yes this is this is it this is the acoustic of of, of, of your dreams so i came back home and some somewhere in the course of this last week or last couple of weeks since we've spoken, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do what Matt was speaking about uh, a little while ago. And I tried a bunch of different new strings on it. Oh, really? Um, okay. yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden I've fallen in, back in love with it. Really? Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but at some point in the last couple of years, I shifted from, this is going to get uber geeky and uber nerdy quite quickly. Um, but I shifted from, <laughs> I think I'm in the right place for it. I think I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, shi- I shifted from phosphor bronze uh, strings, which I'd always used, yeah. to, to just regular bronze. I think yeah. probably there was a deal on you know plain bronze strings, so I thought, oh, fine, I'll just go for that. Put them on uh, the acoustic and, and, you know, you put a new set of strings on, and you go, oh, great, that sounds really nice and bright and, you know, new set of strings and great, yeah, this is fine. Um, and I'd, I've gone back to phosphor bronze now and I, I've, I've remembered why I like phosphor bronze strings on an acoustic. 
acoustic guitar. It's that it's that extra warmth, it's that extra low end, and a new set of strings is in even in phosphor bronze are still bright enough and clear enough. Uh, and so I went with in the end I went with the um, Ernie Ball. Um, the Earthwood, Earthwood, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been using Daddario's for years on yeah. my acoustics. Really love those. I've been using some of the Martin strings for a while. Yeah. I think the bronze ones I was using were the Martin ones. Anyway, a whole bunch of different ones. Anyway, for whatever reason, these Earthwood phosphor bronze uh, back on that yeah. guitar have all of a sudden just made me go, oh, this this guitar is actually really, really good. It's yeah. really good. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take something quite special and probably quite expensive that I'm not willing to purchase at the moment to, to make me get a different acoustic. So yeah. There you well, go. You were right. Just try different strings. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's really interesting, strings. right? Isn't it? I mean, in my experience last, last year, there was two things for me, which I experienced, which I didn't expect to, which is I experimented with different string types for the electric guitars. And, um, I, per- I partly ex- expected to experience a little bit of a playing difference. I thought, well, it's gauge really that makes the difference. I'm sure the material difference is going to be subtle, but I couldn't believe the difference, the real difference in material. You know, I went from trying some stainless steel ones all the way down to kind of vintage style, um, pure nickel, things like that. And the difference is just astonishing. And the playing experience is incredible. And even the same type of strings from different manufacturers is, is quite something like Kurt Mangan strings pure nickel feel incredible to play. Mm. The only ball mm. pure nickel ones also feel good as pure nickel mm. strings, but not quite as good as the Kurt Mangan. I can see why Kurt Mangan ones are so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. 15 from the set and they're not even coated or anything. <laughs> but they feel, they, they just feel so, you know, really... I was, so I was astounded last year by... But also the guitar pick as well. You know, I've completely yeah. changed what kind of... I now play this uh, Jim Dunlop uh, jazz tone. It's got it's like a two millimetre thick thing. Two it's, mil? It's, it's, wow. It's a thick, it's fairly big pick. It's, it's yeah. quite heavy. It's completely unpliable. doesn't bend in the slightest. And I've gone from playing, you know, 0.8 millimetre Tortex ones mm, uh, to it. those, that's even like. for rhythm playing. And I love it. I love the feel. The, really? the sound from them is completely different as well. It's much kind of rounder sound, but you don't really lose any attack. It's, mm, it's a mm. really good point there. You know, if if you're if you're listening and you're thinking of, of something's lacking in your instrument, maybe you just need to try some different strings or some different picks. Change yeah. changes your experience as you interact with that instrument. Definitely, cool, man. definitely. Yeah, I've fallen back in love with that acoustic. Um, so yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah so, Kieran, what are we talking about this week? What are we talking about this week? Well, <laughs> well, we uh, we thought still. At, so, I mean, we're still at the beginning of the year. Although I must say, a I can't believe how quickly this week has gone. Uh, and B, how we're now in February all of a sudden. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say we are at the beginning of the year. Now, ordinarily, uh, we would have some exciting, interesting, controversial guitar news to talk about because normally at this time of year, Winter Nam would just be finishing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and there'd be a whole host of like anticipated guitars for this year coming out to be released, etc. Mm-hmm. And we'd have some, we'd have some good fodder to, t- to talk about. Now, Winter Nam, for obvious reasons, COVID, etc., yeah. has been, has been shifted now. So it's not taking place until June. So, but we thought, anyway, let's, let's plow on. What, yeah. what does, what does the year hold for, for guitars? And more, more broadly, what, what does the future of electric guitars look like? Cause there's some, there's some stuff that's happening. 
happened in the last year. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, um, all kind of with this backdrop of COVID, which is having an impact on loads of industries, right? Um, but also, you know, some interesting things have happened with the guitar uh, markets. And uh, mm. so, yeah, so I think I think that's I think that, I think we've got a pretty loose uh, title for today, but it's kind of like yeah, the year the year ahead. What is going to happen? Well, let's make some, let's see if we can make any predictions. What, yeah, what does the future hold for the guitar? Right, exactly. That's exactly. kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, I wanted to start off with something actually, if you don't Go. mind, because I thought. Please. Um, you, you know, almost on a, from a philosophical point of view, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, the past informs the future, doesn't it? I like that. And I thought, well, I remember when I started playing guitar. I, when I started playing, it was around this time in the I'd got a guitar for Christmas. I'd started getting guitar lessons in February time. I'd spent January learning how to play some chords with a Burt Whedon playing a day video. It should have been called playing a month, really. But um, <laughs> it was fantastic. It was a fantastic way to start learning guitar. But I, that that was the Christmas of 95, right? Mm-hmm. I just turned 13 in the October and I got my first guitar for Christmas that, that year. Um, and do you know what I started doing around the time that, that I'd got a guitar? I'd started going to my local news agents and I'd started buying Total Guitar magazine. Every, oh, yeah. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. for about five years, religiously. Had me, and you, me and you both, yeah. And the first, I thought, oh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and look up what was in that first that first magazine I bought because I can tell you now it was episode it was episode it was it was issue number 14 which would have been wow. January 1996 and I thought I'm going to see if I can Could find, you find that it? issue you online find I wasn't able to find a digital copy of it I saw some pictures of it yeah. but more but what I did find was um uh somebody selling the, the CD that accompanied it online huh. uh from Discogs I don't know if you know Discogs yeah 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 it's a great resource yeah exactly now uh, where is it I've got it here somewhere. Because <laughs> I was thinking, what what gear was it was was being reviewed? Yeah. What new gear was out that was in the magazine or on advertisements? I used to love going into those advertisements. The thing as well, if you remember, with 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 those guitar magazines, is guitar shops used to obviously advertise and put all the prices uh-huh. in for kit as well, so you yes, could see did. how much things were and order things over the phone and get yep. things delivered. You know, yeah. Well, I can tell you a Gibson Les Paul Classic, which was a full fat proper Les Paul, yeah. not the studio version, the Gibson Les Paul Classic, which I coveted at the time, <laughs> retailed at £999. And, and, on, and on a good day, you could get it for £899 if someone was doing a sale. Oh. And that was always, that was always the thing for me. And that was a, I mean, that's, that was the, you know, full binding, yeah. uh, you know, 60 slim profile neck on it, the open coil humbuckers. Yes, they were putting, I think, the enamel ceramic type pickups in it versus the kind of proper Alnico uh, magnets. But um, those guitars were beautiful and they're still, they're, I mean, yeah. they're going for, they're going for like two, three times that price now if you can find a nice clean one on reverb. And that was always <laughs> the thing in my mind is like when I, when I grow up and when I have some money, I just need to get together £999 <laughs> and I can get myself a Gibson Les Paul with the spec that I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time I got to able to afford to buy a Gibson Les Paul, trust me, they, they were, they were not £999. Anymore. No, absolutely not. <laughs> That's astonishing really to think that a standard Les Paul yeah. pretty much was sub a thousand pounds. Yeah. So anyway, I was thinking what, what was, 
was the what was the future of guitar like back then? Um, there's not actually that much information to be taken from the CD, but what it does tell me is what gear was being reviewed that mm. that week and what gear they did demos for that was available on the CD. The CD was fantastic. I used to love getting the CD. Yeah, man. Peel it off the front and try not to damage it because it was held on by some kind of horrendous sticky substance <laughs> or tape or something. Um, That's it. Um, and anyway, the Vox AC30 was reviewed because there was a new version of the Vox AC30. A, a, re, a reissue, presumably, a reissue, obviously. Of course, yeah. So it wasn't just a very late review of the original. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yamaha had a new Pacifica out, the 302S, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen it, they used to do a Telecaster-style Pacifica that Mike Stern, oh. the jazz guitarist, had a signature version of it. Um, and that's actually a lovely guitar, so they demoed that. The DoD FX7 multi-FX unit was demoed, which is just oh. a very budget floor multi-FX Did Dodd do? Uh, did, I, I, I used to call them Dodd. I don't know if they're called Dodd. Do Dodd, Dodd yeah, do Dodd, DoD. Yeah, I think they do. do, they still? I, think, I, think, they do. I think you can still get some reissue stuff I think they do like a couple of pedals I think they're owned by Digitech right but and I thought this was interesting um, that that month Roland released the first um, foray into well not the first foray but they, they released a brand new multi-FX preamp you know rack mounted preamp called the GP100 but that was the first ever that was their first ever Cosm uh, based guitar processor so Cosm is is something that Boss still use now so if you go out and buy like a Boss GT100 floor effects which is still you know manufactured and available today it's one of the flagship models it's got the Cosm um, processing in it which is it's called composite object sound modelling it's basically like you know it's modelling it's the, the first version of amplifier yeah. modelling so that had just come out when I started learning guitar and actually the, the the, the Boss GT001, which I'm using right now to record my microphone through, through the USB interface, that has got the Cosm symbol on it. That is a Cosm processor. And I thought it was interesting to think, even back then, all that time ago, you know, 20-odd years ago, um, businesses and companies like Roland were starting to really push the technology of what could be modelled and what could be created digitally for guitarists. And I know that that goes way back anyway, to the 80s, you know. Mm. But there we go. That's what the future kind of looked like for a young guitarist like me back in back in the mid 90s yeah and and how much of that has really changed do you think well i i i i still want to buy gibson as pauls so not 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 a lot not a lot has changed for me really in 25 years which is quite depressing isn't it <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I vaguely, I vaguely dabbled at looking at a Parker Fly when that came out, and then realised that that wasn't going to be suitable. Um, I did, I did gig with a Line Six Variax for a while, but, but ultimately, I still, I still cover a Fender Strat and a, and a Gibson Les Paul. So, yeah, yeah, what is, yeah, interesting. And, and twenty five years on, Gibson now like have a whole division set aside to making, you know, reproductions of those those old guitars. So. Yeah, it's a, it's an inter- it's an interesting it's an interesting area, isn't it? Well, I think you know I was I was thinking about this, um, and I think well, you know the 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 modern advancements we've seen over the recent years, and I think we'll continue to see, um, aren't probably really on the macro level. You know that kind of you know is the instrument itself as a whole, as that thing you hold in your hand, really changing? No, I mean when we had our conversation about the John Mayer guitar recently, the Silver Sky SE, one of the big oh, yeah. things we talked about was that fretboard radius and you know the <laughs> fact that it didn't have that 
late fifties, you know, small radius that that yeah. Mayer had got on his core. You know, we're talking about yeah. things here that were made. Decisions were made about you know when our parents were young. Yeah, um, and and we're still you know they really did get some things right first time. There's no argument about that. You know, Leo Fender and his team. There are things that they did right from the get go, which yeah. still you know people love today. People, there are people that love those things that weren't born when they came out. Sure, sure. And they sure, still sure. kind of you know why is that? But on the micro level, you've got things like Fishman Fluence. You know the new pickups mm-hmm. that they created, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think are, you know they're, they're utterly groundbreaking. I mean, you've got people like you know Greg Cork and Torsin Abasi and all these fantastic guitarists who you know come from different walks of life and different genres, and they love this new pickup technology that now you don't have to buy a wound pickup around a magnet, you know, mm-hmm. like they would have done back then because that's well, you think about it, it's one of the most primitive electromagnetic designs there ever yeah. is. You know, wire wrapped around a magnet. It's exactly kind of thing that was discovered centuries ago. Now fishermen are doing these printed PCB pips, basically, where they're printing a PCB on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, and creating this, you know, this printed coil, basically, that gives you the ability to to sound however you want that pickup to sound, and indistinguishable from the kind of pickup that you'd really love from a vintage instrument. But it's noiseless, doesn't pick up interference, solves all the problems, you know. Yeah, that's like that. That's I think true it's innovation, right? That's true innovation, and I think that's yeah. kind of where the future of guitar lies, right? We're always going to be playing a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul. I don't think that's really going to change, and I think mm. all the instruments that we love that aren't those instruments really are derivatives of those originals, right? Mm. You think all mm. the Super Strats and, and things like that, and a, you know, every, you know, a lot of rock guitars are really derivatives of, you know, the dual humbucker designs of the Les Paul and things, but, you know, I think down on that micro level with the component types and, and the manufacturing innovations and processes, I think that's where the future of the guitar, the instrument itself lies. But what do you think? Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but if you are still listening to this podcast, why not like and subscribe so you never miss another show? Go on. You know you want to. I think it's a, look, I think it's a really exciting time at the moment that, that we are living in, in terms of that balance between old and new innovations. Because on one hand, you know, you've got uh, this huge resurgent and ongoing, you know, uh, fondness for how it was done back in the day, you know. And if Joe Bonamassa wasn't running around literally buying everything that was made in 1950, then then we would all, we would all be able to have a, a, a 1950s Strat or Les Paul. Because there's part of all of us as guitar players that just still looks at those original designs and those original specs. And, you know, whether you dig the relic thing or the road-worn look or whatever, or just want something in a kind of new uh, but vintage spec, there is something, I don't know, about those old designs that people still love and crave for. And that's why you see stuff coming out of the custom shops, the wall manufacturers, where they're going to tailor to that audience and that market because that is there. And, on, and at the same time, you've got, you know, the example you've given around the f- latest Fishman pickups, you've got everything that has happened um, with amp modeling and effects modeling and processing, you know, as part of the signal chain where now, yeah. you know, pro guitarists are turning up with fully digital, uh, you know, helix rigs. Um, and they may well be putting a, a lovely vintage um, strap 
or, or you know, guitar through it to play on. But the rest of their signal chain could be entirely digital and entirely modeled because it gives that flexibility and it gives that authentic tone and the convenience. So I think it, I think in that way, it's a really nice point that we're at, um, which is you can quite happily and help and, and, and authentically create a rig that works for you using old technology and new innovation in a way that just suits you and works for, for what you want without, without doing what I think we would have had to do back in, you know, the nineties, which is make a compromise, right? Somewhere. For sure. Yeah, which is yeah. like, you know, if you wanted, I don't know, if you wanted a multi-effects processing unit, like the, the Zoom, you know, multi-effects or Dodd multi-effects that we all used to use or boss thing, you yeah. had that convenience of like, you know, hundred different effects all in one little stomp box. But you knew it didn't sound as good as like a, a full-blown like rack mount unit from Alasis or getting yeah. those boutique pedals and making a proper pedal board. There was a compromise there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that probably that element of compromise has got smaller and smaller now. Yeah, I think so too. Actually, you made a good point as well about the 80s. Like, arguably, that was the time when guitarists made the least amount of compromise for the most amount of kind of technology. You mm. think about what your average kind of big-time LA session guitarist We'll not mention his name. You know what would have he would have turned up at a studio yeah. <laughs> with. You know what 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 would they have had? They were they would have played a fantastic vintage instrument. You know, yeah. um, straight into uh, maybe something like a Marshall or a Soldano head, something mm-hmm. like that, or maybe like a Soldano preamp, something that sounded fantastic. Yeah. And it would have been like pure guitar signal straight into the front end of an amp. Probably two cabs, probably two cabs or two heads to split stereo like modulation effects and stuff. Or they probably would have gone mono into the head, but what they would have done is they would have gone straight into um, a speaker cabinet or they would have gone into something like a a line level attenuator. So what the guitar was doing was hitting the amp and then the amp was going into a speaker. But then they'd take that speed, the the amplifier's speaker signal, reduce it to line level and then put that through, they would put that through a mixer and sent, um, you know, a separate auxiliary out to each effect. So they didn't even have a chain of effects every effect they had every rat amount would get a clean signal and then they would mix each of those affected signals that's how they used to do it it's like the wow. most cleanest way too ever, much even work. by today's standards <laughs> yeah. even by today's standards it's like the cleanest way to do to, to do yeah. effects we're not doing anything before your guitar hits the amp your mm-hmm. amp's doing the job it's meant to do we're taking a line level version of what comes out of your amp and we're putting that individually into the effects and then you can choose how you mix them back together and yeah. then that goes into your mixing board that was like the perfect way to do it you know you listen to all those 80s guitar sounds they just sound so pristine because Mm. they were Mm. right they were using Mm. the technology that was available but doing it in a way that didn't compromise you know the real fundamental tone of a guitar and I think when multi-effects started coming out and you'd take your guitar into a multi-effects and then straight out into an amp or something that was probably more of a compromise uh, than than anything else whereas you know now with modelling you know things like Helix and your Axe FX and stuff like that you can recreate that kind of signal path in those items as well so you can still do that kind of parallel effect processing thing that helps maintain your tone a lot better so if anything it's kind of like things got worse before they got better it's it's interesting how things have kind of moved along but one thing's for sure like you said is i think i think there's like almost like a there's there's obviously an emotional connection isn't there between you and your instrument do you think part of the reason why we still cover and love vintage instruments more than new instruments 
is because is there more likely to be an emotional connection with those instruments but you know because of the you know they have this inherent mojo about them of being old instruments or being you know like original designs you know it's the, the what do you think yeah. Why oh is it? man this is this is this is a that's a big question isn't it? <laughs> it's a huge question right so i think right if we if we if we try and rationalize that question for some people it will be the particular specifications that those guitars had back in those days right some people who are really into their guitars will go well you know in the 50s they were making strats with this mm. type of taper on the neck and this type of width at the nut and they were using these types of woods and this type of rosewood slab and these types of finishes and they were winding pickups in, the, in this way and all the guitars that I've tried that have those specs just for some reason work for me as a player and mm. that is why I gravitate towards those vintage guitars because either it's cost prohibitive to try and order something with those exact specs from the custom shop now or just because you know I, lo- I, I, I want to get it as, as they made it so you go okay well that's somebody who's, who's really rationalised why they like the vintage thing because those specs are those specs and, and you can it's probably more difficult to get those specs on more modern instruments because yeah either most players in the modern era don't really go for those specs or, or, or the companies have just moved on and, and, and found better ways of, of doing things. So that I kind of get. I think there is a huge amount of, of people that like the romantic notion of a, a something with a story, with some kind of, I don't know, history. So that, yeah. you know, the knocks on it, the wear on it, tell a story that it's it's lived a life and it's almost like you know, an, an electric guitar if well looked after you know can last generations and generations right so yeah. there's almost that kind of i want to look after it and put it to use and enjoy it and then pass it on to somebody and it has this whole legacy story with it some people love that yeah that kind of thing with it i mean i'm not sure that exists in many other things you would i mean i don't know many people that go and go oh yeah i'd, I'd like to really go and buy a used a used car that someone's you know driven driven to death and and like stinks of old cigarettes and <laughs> and you know it's got fa- it's got a really particular cigarette burn here where you know somebody somebody was traveling from from london to glass going yeah. yeah just got really drunk that day and dropped a cigarette on the passenger seat and that's that exact burn and that's, you know yeah, that tells a story do you know what i mean yeah. you know most people go yeah i just want to go and buy a new car because then I'm, I'm driving a new car and that's <laughs> and that's and it's got that new car smell but yeah. but us as guitar people we go yeah wow look at that guitar you know uh, and look at the cigarette burn on on that that happened so there is yeah. some sort of romantic ideal from it i think so and also i think further proof to that is actually i think in the failure of some modern kind of innovations to really kind of take off really well you know there's so i think there's some guitars and some guitar manufacturers that have created guitars over the years to that, that have been really quite modern expressions of what a guitar should be mm. um and they've kind of been rejected or at least you know they've they were around for a little bit of a flash in the pan they're around for a while and you don't really hear about them that much you know like the parker fly um which you know it's radical kind of design didn't help it in terms of how it looked but it did have some interesting innovations you know like the use of different materials um, um, and different manufacturing processes. And then even going back to the 70s when you had things like the Dan Armstrong guitar, um, which I think you 
you know, more recently it was used by like the Foo Fighters in the early 2000s, which was actually, it was a see-through guitar made out of Bakelite or something. But you know, you could slide pickups into it. You, know, you could take a pickup out of it and slide a new one in. Things like that, you know, that guitar never really hugely took off. And then you've got things like the, you know, I think there was a company making a carbon fibre acoustic guitar at some yes. point again, which yeah. I don't think, yeah. I think, you know, the instrument itself, I, I, it's almost like it, things will, things have to be snuck in in, you know, to be accepted. I think Music Man, you know, are good at doing that. Music Man are really good at creating guitars, which are really loved by people, but have really good modern appointments and really good variations on um, how things used to be done. Um, even just, you know, basic things like wood choices and finishes. But it seems to be such a difficult thing to see a lot of progressive changes in, you know, the manufacture of instruments. Nothing seems to... Do we even have to talk about the self-tuning headstock of guitars? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know what though? Do you know what? It's 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 tough, and I know we've slated the robot tuners before, as has as has the entire world, and they really had no place being bolted onto what is a beautiful, perfect design. But I think I think it is difficult for guitar manufacturers to introduce and convince a lot of players around some of the innovations they're making. And some of these things are genuine innovations. Robot tuners were an innovation, yeah. right? And and on paper, if you if you if you took that to a non-guitar player and said, you know, hey, you know, one of the one of the things that beginners really struggle with, or even pro musicians, because you know they don't want to go out of tune, is you know, we've we've developed these tuners that just tune themselves and the guitar stays in pitch and does all the work for you and it's a discrete little box screen in inverted commas that sits on the back of the headstock yeah most non-guitar players would go well that just sounds like a good innovation that just makes perfect sense guitar that tunes itself you know it's exactly it's great <laughs> but you introduce that to guitar players and they go what what are you thinking what you know and there's everything from the school of thought that it is a rite of passage and a hardship that you need to endure and it's part of ear training to be able to tune a guitar and yeah. all of that through to the fact that it upsets the physics of the instrument, the balance of it, or just plain looks, looks ugly and nasty. That I think it's quite difficult for guitar manufacturers to introduce innovations that, that last. And, and I think, I think this doesn't get spoken enough about though, but it's because probably the more things that you introduce as innovations, the more potential you have to get in the way of playing. And whilst these things sound cool or look cool on paper or they, they, they're fun to play with in the guitar shop. Ultimately, the guitars that people enjoy playing the most and therefore then end up becoming the ones that sell the most are the ones where the innovation isn't a distraction. It just works and enhances the playing experience. And it goes back to your point earlier, Matt, which is the design of these things originally was just spot on for what it needed to do. So yeah. arguably anything else that you introduce into it that the player then has to think about and do something with with, yeah, just gets in the way, just gets in the way of the playing experience, yeah. you know? Well, I'd argue also that, um, not necessarily that Fender, you know, I'm going to say Fender rather than Gibson at the moment because of the Strat and the, you know, the, the Strat and, and the Telecaster really on the face of it are largely unchanged from what, from what they were back in the early fifties, except for obviously a lot of the mining. I know people out there screaming, oh, what are you talking about? You know, the fretboard radius, the, the wood types, mm-hmm. you know, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying, but still it's largely yeah. unchanged. Does, you know, a Ford Mustang today, look like a Ford Mustang from back then. No. 
It doesn't. It's the, the change between Fender Strat 1954 and Fender Strat 2022 is not the same extreme, yeah. is it? it? They're close. They're still very closely related. Mm. But I would argue that part of the reason why they're still so loved is because all the music we love that was played on those instruments came mm. way after they were invented. So it's almost yeah, like those yeah, guitarists yeah. and those artists were informed by those instruments on how they wanted to play and sound. It's like the instruments mm-hmm. told them how we best sound rather than them going, well, I've got, you know, it's not like Jimi Hendrix, all these tracks recorded and then the Strat came along. You know, he was playing the Strat yeah. when he was learning, probably. The, the instrument informed us how it wanted to sound and be played, right? And it's stubborn in it, in how it wants to continue. So I think that's part of it, for sure. Um, but what was my... I was going to make another point as well. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, though, that the best the best innovation in guitar, arguably, right, mm. uh, and and I'm I'm just talking about guitars, so not not amps and modelling yeah. and effects units and all of that because that's a whole different thing. But arguably, the best innovation in in recent times that people have embraced has been the PRS of the sky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, right? And I think so. It's just little, and even that was greeted with massive controversy when it first came out, but now has kind of cemented itself, and I think the SE version will do likewise, as, yeah. a, as a real great player's guitar. But, but really, honestly... I mean, yeah. the, the, without going back over the whole spec list and all of that kind of shenanigans, if you're interested in that, go and check out the other episode we did on the PRSE uh, Silver Sky. But basically, that's a modern reincarnation of a vintage guitar, yeah. right? So, yeah. and and that's the one that's that's flying off the shelf. So interesting. Well, I would, <laughs> I would not. I, I would disagree that it's a modern iteration of a vintage guitar. I would say it's it's a vintage sheep in modern wool's clothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think we're saying the same thing, but you're saying think, it in a much You know, much part of me way. kind of wants this disparity. I mean, this is probably a bit cruel, but I almost feel like John Mayer's tricked Paul Reed Smith into building the Fender guitar he wanted, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I wanted a Fender, Fender wouldn't do it. PRS can do it for me, but it's still a Fender. And all the PRS appointments are kind of like the compromises John Mayer made almost, you know, because I'm sure yeah. It was designed around his favourite vintage Fender guitar. That, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway, uh, anyway. So where, so where are we going now? Where, where, do, where does the future lie? I mean, well, I did, I did just want to mention quickly about about the the, the robot tuners thing about forgive. The, the reason that didn't work for me, and and I'm this is you know just my thoughts on it. Um, I don't think the guitar community rejected that guitar. I think the Gibson community rejected that guitar because one mm. of the things Gibson mm. are their own worst enemy. Gibson are loved for the all the instruments they made in the past, not for the stuff they make now, and they're seeing modern success in the areas of their business where they're recreating the vintage instruments the most. And I don't think, I feel sorry for Gibson because for all the times they've tried to come up with innovations and new things, they get told back to what you're doing, please, you know, do do the stuff you did well in the 60s and 70s. That's what we want from you. Because, and the reason I say that is because there's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of having a guitar that tunes itself. Peavy did it. About five, six years ago, they released a new guitar that had exactly the same technology, Nobody ridiculed that. In fact, it got fantastic reviews mm. in the guitar magazines, but none of PV's customers 
think it's a bad idea. Peavy's customers think that's a great idea. You know, yeah. I can just press a button yeah. and it down tunes for me for the, the next rock song I'm doing. And, um, you know, there's the, the line six, very, if you're a line six, very player, it's, it's expected that your guitar digitally can retune itself. So yeah. that, that innovation of and by itself is not a bad thing. I think it was just in the wrong brand. It should have been on a guitar that didn't have Gibson on the headstock. So true. They don't want self-tuning guitars. They want the pain mm-hmm. of something that doesn't stay in tune because <laughs> that's what the Vince's instrument did. So that- and, and the modern ones as well, mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be fair. I think, yeah. I think, you know, that. I thought that was worth commenting on. But yeah, what does Definitely. the future? Well, it's been an interesting year. It's been an interesting year or a couple of yeah. years, right? Because like some industries have really suffered through COVID and, and lockdown. Yes. Uh, guitar manufacturing has certainly been, been affected mm-hmm. uh, in, in a number of different ways we're seeing long lead times uh you know again for obvious reasons factories closure parts um you know as most manufacturers don't make a lot of the you know additional parts that go onto guitars themselves some do some don't but you know long waiting lists for guitars based on manufacturing delays parts in short supply all of that kind of thing we're, we're starting to see you know um so that's created a kind of backlog and yeah but in t- in kind of marketing terms sometimes you know that supply demand thing can work in your favor and and scarcity scarcity can create more demand for it but you know what I think a lot of guitar stores have experienced actually during lockdown is some of the best sales that they've seen in recent years certainly Fender for 2020 and 21 Mm. those were the highest revenue years or or financial year in their entire history more people picked up the guitar and started to play than at any other time in, in in, in their history. So, you know, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And it's starting to reflect in the pricing as well that you're seeing that because of what's going on with supply, because of the popularity of the instrument now, which is brilliant. These are all great things. It means more listeners for our podcast, surely. <laughs> um, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, you know, that's a great yeah. thing. People are picking up the guitar. Guitar music is, is, is there, yeah. you know, it back and not that it ever went away, but, you know, it comes in and out of fashion. So I think there's some cool things happening. We've spoken about the pricing of guitars and the impact on the used market, but at the same time, you're getting incredible quality coming out from smaller luthiers, guitars made out in the Far East and in Indonesia, China now. So yeah. actually the, cho- the choice is there and yes, everything's suffering with lead time. So I don't know. I think, I think the future is bright for guitar players, for guitar uh, availability, the stuff coming out, uh, it is, you know, it can be exciting, even yeah. if it's just a, a reminder of the stuff that's come before it. Um, so, yeah, I think I guess I think it is a it's a, it's going to be a good year for guitars. I'm really looking forward to to the what comes out and gets announced in June at the NAM Festival. I think yeah, me too. There is an audience now, a bigger audience, a captive audience, an audience that have repicked up the guitar or started for the first time, yeah. or that have just gone. You know what? I'm just going to buy more guitars because because I want to now. Yeah. Um, but I think it, that 2022 could be a really exciting year for for what comes out. I think so too. I think you're absolutely right. I'm really looking forward to the next NAM show because I used to love following the coverage of that online, you know, from the various different dealers or different manufacturers that uh, were posting videos. And, and there's always, you know, everyone tries to align their new innovations with the NAM show as well because mm. it gets so much coverage. That's the that's the yeah. trade show to really release things. Um, so I'm looking forward to that too. And I, I hope this year is a good year as well. I think it's great to know that Fender have done so well. I think Fender have been boosted by their online teaching platform that, that you know, they've, they've 
released over the last couple of years. I mean, I can't watch anything on YouTube without being interrupted by a, an advert for Fender Play. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I think part of that is is that 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 kind of brand management at Fender is really commendable, isn't it? You know, the fact mm. that the you know because when the pandemic happened, Fender made the online platform free for yeah. people for like three six months at a time. So if you if you if you've got Fender in your face all the time, you know, yeah. you know how marketing works, right? You know, I, I I, it's not my profession, but I know, you know, you, you you kind of, you're you're aware of how marketing works and brand management is really about occupying a space in somebody's mind, isn't it? It's kind of, said, when yeah. they go into a shop to, to look at something, they're going to feel more comfortable spending money on things they're familiar with. Yeah. So if you're seeing the, the logo Fender all the time, because you're looking up guitar lessons on YouTube from people, when you go to buy your next guitar you're going to feel comfortable but so it's, it's i think fender have, have have been very shrewd through this i agree um, i agree in helping That's support entirely. their brand right and then and then also regardless of that the the product range i think is the best it's ever been yeah agree. there's literally something from fender that every you know you can buy the the affinity strap from squire you know for 120 pounds or you can go and buy a custom shop there for seven thousand pounds and there's something at every mm-hmm. price point between those two yeah. across multiple different guitar, guitar designs. I think it's just fantastic how they've done as a company. But I do think there are other companies that are going to struggle um, mm-hmm. because of supply chain issues. Because mm-hmm. supply chain issues is going to cause cash flow issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, there might be some smaller companies that struggle and they might reduce their, their output maybe. Who knows? I'm interested to see what happens with guitars this year. But one interesting thing, you shared, a, you shared a, an article with me before we had this chat from uh, an online blog, I think, called Electric Jam. And it was talking about guitar prices going up mm-hmm. in 2022, driven by a number of things about inflation and the supply chain and mm-hmm. the fact that there's more guitarists now. So that's driving yeah. demand for instruments up. And I thought that was really interesting about how the price of things will now go up. We're already seeing that going up and it'll probably stay there as well. So if you're thinking of buying something, now's the time to do it, you know. <laughs> Good excuse oh, to use, yeah. really, if you need to go and buy a guitar and you're waiting for later in the year. Now that's a good excuse to get it now instead. And I'm so glad that you've put that into onto record, Matthew Oliver, because um, <laughs> this year <laughs> I want you to buy a new guitar. So <laughs> you've literally just, just said the immortal words that I will quote back to you forevermore. So yeah, um, yeah let's get that guitar shop visit booked in. And let's, we do. let's, let's, we get, do let's need go to get that a visit toys. booked in. Go buy some new toys. I did want to talk about a couple of things which really impressed me from a actually we've already spoken about one of them which was the Fishman Fluence guitar pickups which I think are going to be huge we're seeing them now more and more in in different guitars um, you know off the shelf rather than being something you'd buy as an aftermarket upgrade Um, but have you heard of Hook guitar amplifiers I haven't so I I think Anderton sell them they've been around a couple of years but this for me is as a manufacturer they're they're doing the it's like guitar amps have always been you're either a fan of digital or you want pure analogue right you want you want the valve amp perfection of you know Mm -hmm. everything that's come in the past or you want some kind of digital capability that you don't get the sound of analogue well they seem to me to be the first company that have melded the two together in such a wonderful way they're not modeling amps that they do but uh, the particular amp i'm looking at has been reviewed by paul davids you know on who's oh, yeah, a yeah. massive youtube channel 
and it's called yeah. the Wizard. Um, <laughs> and the thing I love about it is it's a proper analog amplifier, two-channel amplifier, full valve amp. Um, you know, it's got multiple speaker outputs, but it's got some adornments which are just, I think it's everything that the modern guitarist now needs going forward. If you're a professional guitarist, I think you need amps that do these things. So it's got a built-in reactive load, so you don't have to connect it to a speaker. You can switch the load on and you can go direct out on an XLR. Cool. It's also That's got a handy. USB output. USB output on on a valve amplifier. Wow. So for putting into your desk or into your Putting into your rather. desk. It's got MIDI control as well, so you can control everything to do with it over MIDI. Mm-hmm. The USB connection also allows you to upload IRs to it, so impulse responses. So if you want to upload a, a, some kind of v- impulse response for particular Celestian speakers in a particular cab, you can, and it'll sound like that. Right. But here's the thing I love the most about it. It has presets built in, so you can, up, you can create up to 32 presets, I think. And every dial on the front, the gain, bass, mid, treble and volume, not the master I believe, but all those that you use they're all motorised. So as mm-hmm. you select a preset, the motors will move all the dials directly to where you wanted it. So you've effectively got digital control over all the analogue capabilities of yeah. this valve amplifier, which is which is just, how cool is that? You, just, you can just buy yourself a cheap MIDI controller that sits on the floor. You can save all these presets on the front of the amp for a clean sound, a drive sound, by moving all the knobs, save them, and then just recall them. And you just, the video is so cool. All the knobs turn when the presets change <laughs> really quickly. That's your lead sound. So that is kind of like the perfect amalgamation of kind of, you know, modern capability and vintage tone. Mm. And I mm. think we're going to see more of that kind of thing. You guarantee it. I think, you know, within five years' time, some of the bigger brands are going to be doing amplifiers like this. Some of the Fenders, Marshalls, you're going to start seeing less of the here's our digital range here's our vintage range the, they've got to start coming together a little bit more so that's what I think is the future of guitar amps we're going to start seeing less of this segregation between vintage style amps and modern style amps we're going to start seeing them meld together a little bit well you heard it here first people there you go <laughs> Matt Matthew Oliver's prediction for the future I, mate I think that's a, that's a, that's a great place to for us to kind of leave leave that door open and revisit maybe later in the year and go, well, this is what we said at the beginning of the year. Yeah. What 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 happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Uh, brilliant. Maybe. Brilliant, maybe maybe I'm wrong. You know, like 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 we said before, there's resistance, isn't there, in the guitar community? Yeah, sometimes. there can be. So, there can yeah. be, there can be. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to. We'll do a show uh, covering the highlights of Winter Nam yeah. in in June, and then we'll see we'll see what the direction is going. You know, for the, for this year and and beyond with with guitar and, and amps. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see what's going to come this year. I think it's been I think it's gone off to a, a great start with yeah. with some of the stuff from from PRS that we've talked about already, and and uh, mm-hmm. some things that are, that, are, that are bubbling away. So yeah, let's see. I agree. Looking forward to it, bud. Plans for the week. Uh, uh, learn more songs. Um, it would appear that I've joined a band again, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is good. Uh, Excellent. Man. Well, I think I've joined a band. Let's see. I've got some depth slots for a band, and but I think there might be some uh, some ongoing discussions as to me joining um, on a more permanent basis. So uh, yeah, I better learn. I better learn the Brilliant. set list. I better learn. Fantastic. The set list. So, yeah, I might give you a it's call. Not another simply started. red covers band, is it? No, no. The, 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 those years of shame have, uh, are far behind me. <laughs> Uh, said the same thing yeah indeed indeed uh, so yeah that's that's me just 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 learning some songs amazing <laughs>
Yeah. How about you, mate? Anything anything uh, highlighted for this week? Well, probably just a little bit of practice here and there, uh, writing okay. some more backing tracks. I think I'm enjoying kind of making backing tracks and I'm probably going to try and turn it into something that maybe we can, uh, you know, share with other people, make available yeah. to people if they want to download some fun backing tracks to play. Oh, man. I've had, a, I've had a little taster of some of the stuff that you've been producing. I must say, <laughs> oh, I can't, uh, yeah, they, they are superb. <laughs> I can't wait for you to, to, to get some of these out uh, to the to yeah. Guitar Smarts uh, podcast audience. I think these are some brilliant backing tracks. Uh, ah, fantastic. Uh, Thank guitarists. you. So, yeah, look forward to good that, stuff. mate. Brilliant, yeah. There we go. Fantastic. Cool, good stuff, mate. Really great to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, buddy. And uh, more of the same next week. More of the same next week, indeed. Have a cracking week buddy i'll speak to you soon cheers pal have a great all the best kieran Bye. bye bye thanks so much for joining us this week we love to hear from our listeners and we would love to hear about your opinions on the future of guitar what do you hope for what do you not want to happen come and talk to us on our socials you can find links in the description as well as links to all other kinds of things go and check them out anyway have a great week see you all soon bye bye